The JLT series is done. And although it was nice getting a glimpse of our players during the past two weeks, let's face it, these matches have probably raised more questions than they've answered for fantasy coaches. I'm Miggs, and this is the FanPod 40 podcast, episode number seven, where I'll be wrapping up the second week of the JLT series for AFL Fantasy. JLT 2 brought with it some stability in terms of which players were taking the field, as coaches played less rookies than what we saw in week one. Still, there are enough bargains getting around the park to assume we'll have some decent bench options come round one, while a few mid-prices backed up their first week score to have fancy coaches tempted. There are a few monster scores across the round from our elites, though the lack of defensive pressure was noticeable, as was the case in the first week, so take those huge scores and make of them what you will. Just remember to take all factors into account when you're looking at these pre-season scores, including which players are missing that may play in a similar position or role. Take, for example, Callum Mills on the weekend, who has moved back to defence with the late withdrawal of Jake Lloyd. Is this going to be a common occurrence during the season proper, or is Mills going to actually play in the midfield? Now, with just a little over a week to go until the round one kicks off, it's important that fantasy coaches use all the data on offer from the past two weeks and keep a close eye on media platforms for any last-minute pieces of news that may be crucial for your team. With all that said, I'm going to share some thoughts on which players caught my attention over the weekend in JLT2, minus the Collingwood versus Carlton game, which is being played today. I'll break it down again into rookies, mid-prices, and will also include breakout candidates, as well as those that were on the initial watch list, but have now had a line put through their name due to poor performances or concerning role changes within the team. I'll call these players write-offs. So let's step into it and crunch some stats, shall we? So I'm going to kick it off with the rookies first of all. And remember, these are the guys who are under 200k. Now, watching over the weekend, there hasn't been a whole lot of these guys that have put their name up for round one, it seems. So I'm thinking we're probably going to have to pay up for our rookies and push it towards the 250k mark uh, because simply we've got these underperforming mature age players who we thought would move their way into the best 22 but probably haven't. So I'm going to go through five blokes who I think are round one probables and these guys have, I guess... Uh, they've got a position in the team that they're ready to fill or they've backed up two weeks of JLT series, which is always a good sign. So the first one I want to talk about is Charlie Constable, and he was first on my list last week as well from Geelong. He's listed as a mid, and he backed up his really good performance in JLT1 with a really good performance this week as well. He ended up with 17 possessions, one mark, three tackles, and 53 fantasy points. Now, that doesn't seem like much, but keep in mind it was only from 50% game time. So he only played a half in that game, which is really promising. And he backed it up from a score of 90 from 71% in JLT1. So I'm liking the looks of him. I think they're going to find a place for him in that Geelong midfield, even if it's just coming off the bench. Um, So he could end up with a, a low time on ground compared to the other midfielders, but 
You know, 71% in JLT1, he can get it done in a short amount of time. And he's bargain basement price, so he's going to make him money. So I think you've got to lock him in there, at least on your bench in the midfield. Uh, the second one I want to talk about is Jack Petricelli from West Coast. And he finally stepped it up over the weekend. He's listed as a forward, and he ended up with 16 possessions, three marks, two tackles, and 71 fantasy points, which is basically what we needed to see from him for him to get around one berth because the week before wasn't too flash. He had 39 in JLT1 from 62% time on ground. He ended up getting a bit more time on the ground this week. He had 74%. He's going to have those inconsistent scores still as a forward. And look, the fact of the matter is he's going to be a warm body in our forward line. There's not a lot of 170K players, let alone any other rookies at that price or around that price. You know, Ben Cavara's uh, uh, probably not going to get a game for the Bulldogs to start off with. Um, so, he, look, he's in a winning team. He's going to be a bit of a downhill skier, I think. But West Coast going to win more than they lose. So I think he's going to have some decent scores there and, um, yeah, make us some money. So I'm going to put him on my bench in the forward line and hope that he's named for round one. Uh, the third one here is a bit controversial, but he's one of those players that, He's got a role in the team, and he's there for that reason. So I'm talking about Matt Parker from St. Kilda, and he's another forward that most teams are probably going to start with uh, on their benches in the forward line. And he ended up with eight possessions, three marks, one tackle, and 33 fantasy points this week, which wasn't any improvement on JLT1, where he had 56 fantasy points from 81% time on ground. But the promising thing is that he had another 75% time on ground this week. So they're giving him the time um, to show what he's worth. And look, even though he's probably going to be a low scorer, he's going to be that type of player who gives you a lot of highlights. He's going to have a highlight reel. So the, the fact that they're actually giving him that chance, that time on the ground means that there's a spot for him in the forward line to play maybe as that third scoring option. And I think they're going to give him a chance at the start of the season. So you can probably lock him in. He does uh, lay quite a few pressure acts, as I mentioned in last week's podcast. So I think he could be there for that reason as well, even though he did lay just the one tackle. Um, the other thing as well that happened over the weekend was was Paddy McCartan had that, that head knock again. So they might play it cautious with him, St. Kilda, and maybe sit him out as well. But um, just keep in mind, there's, there is still a week and a bit until... Uh, the first round kicks off. So I expect to see Matt Parker there, though, in round one. Uh, my fourth one is Willem Drew from Port Adelaide, and he hasn't stepped a foot wrong in the JLT series so far. And he's listed as a midfielder, bargain basement price at 170k. And he ended up with 16 touches, seven marks, four tackles, and 81 fantasy points on the weekend, which is a nice stat line to have. Uh, that was from 88% time on ground. So he's getting plenty of time on ground there, more than he did in JLT1, where he ended up with 51 fantasy points from 72%. So he definitely improved this week. Uh, the thing about him is obviously the the um, the Ollie Wines injury at the moment. So Ollie Wines is still a bit touch and go for round one. It's looking likely like he probably won't play round one. Um 
But even so, I could still see him see him playing a a similar role to what Constable's going to probably do at, at Geelong. So he might come off the bench there and give a reprieve to to the other blokes in the Port Adelaide midfield, the top liners like uh, Rockliffe and and Wines when he's back, um, um, Boak. You know all these guys that that they're in there at the moment. You know Boak's going to take that midfield role. Uh, and switch over with Ebert, who looks like he's going to be playing forward. Um, so I can see him uh, starting round one. Hopefully we can get five or six games out of him. But look, he hasn't stepped a foot wrong. And he's listed as a forward as well. So there's going to be a lot of teams, I think, who have him potentially as that uh, F6 position. And yeah, just hoping we can get a few games out of him so we can we can sort that out. And Look, if you've got him at F6 and then you've got Petricelli on your bench as an option as well and Parker there, you can sort of rotate those three depending on who they're playing any one week and, you know, hope you get a 60-plus score out of them to start the season. And the last one I want to talk about out of the rookies who I think is going to uh, start off in round one is Bailey Scott from North Melbourne. He's listed as a midfielder as well, and he had an awesome game on the weekend. Ended up with 19 possessions, four marks, two tackles, and 84 fantasy points. That was from just 58% time on ground as well. So he got it done in a short amount of time, and he had a pretty decent JLT one also. He uh, had 62 last week, fantasy points, from 70% time on ground. So he was everywhere in the first quarter. I watched this game. Um... He didn't really look like he had an opponent. He was playing a, a mid-forward role across the half-forward line there for a lot and picking up a lot of possessions around there. And at the moment, he's gone a bit under the radar in terms of the rookie's pick because he's he's still at uh, about a 7% ownership, just having a look uh, there at the moment. So I, I expect that to to skyrocket to you know possibly over 15% because if he gets named round one, you're probably going to have him in there in your midfield. So... Um, the good thing about all these midfielders getting named, these bargain basement midfields, you can throw Gibbons into into there as well at uh, 170Ks. You could potentially play uh, a mid-7 and 8 at 170K. Um, so there, there have been quite a few of them named. So you could have a 7 and 8, uh, 170K, and then two on the bench, which you're confident with who are going to play and rotate those four any given week. So that's if you want to save some cash and potentially you could fade on Setterfield and and Walsh or, or those types of players who are around 250, 280k midfielders. Look, you're going to be saving up to 100,000 and, and spend that elsewhere on your field. So um, you can also throw um, Hayes into there as well from the Bulldogs. So... There are a few options, um, but they're my five that I think will uh, should be lining up in, in round one come next week. All right, I'm going to go through some of the mid-prices next up. And there are a few tempting ones that put their hand up over the weekend and, and backed up a decent score from the first JLT series. And the first one I want to talk about is Ryan Clark from Sydney. And he ended up with 29 touches on the weekend to go along with four marks, six tackles and 108 fantasy points. So he cracked the ton there and that was from 78% time on ground. He backed it up with a, from uh, 
JLT won. He had 63 last week from 69% time on ground. So the big thing here that happened was uh, no Jake Lloyd played in this game. He was a late withdrawal with illness. So don't worry, he'll be he'll be fine for round one if you've got him there in the back line, which a lot of people do. Um, so yeah, he sort of played that role back there, which was which was nice to see. But he um, he swept across the half back flank. He was loose a lot of the time. I still see him averaging around eighty to eighty five this season. So he he will be a handy pick if you do go down that route in your back line with um, with a lot of mid prices. But um, yeah, it's 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 hard to tell how he's going to go with. When when Lloyd comes back in, obviously, so uh, when Lloyd was in there, you know, a, a sixty three from him. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm still not hundred percent sold on him, obviously, but he's he's an option nonetheless. Uh, the second one I want to go through is Wayne uh, Miller, and he's had a couple of really good games now in in JLT, and he ended up with twenty nine touches as well. Eight marks, three tackles, 108 fantasy points. And that was from 79% time on ground. The week before, he had 74%. So he's hovering around that 75 to 80%. I expect that to get go into the 80s uh, to 85% once uh, the season comes around. And he had an 85, a score of 85 last week. So he's he's been really consistent and... He was last year as well in the second half of the year. So um, the Crows did move a lot of the ball through him uh, when they were coming out of the back line. He does have a really nice kick. And I think I read somewhere he went at 100% efficiency or something. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure. So if you're super coach mad, I think he might be a, a nice option there as well. Um, the only issue I can see with him is Obviously, Brody Smith is a whole lot cheaper than what he is, and they could have a similar average. I think I think Miller possibly averages a little bit more just because of his consistency. But don't forget, Brody Smith's going to take a whole heap of those kick-ins as well. So if Smith wasn't there at all, you'd have a good hard look at, at Miller this year. But the price difference between the two compared to what the average difference is going to be um, is, is probably not enough to sway me. So um, if you want a point of difference, he's a good one to have. But if you want to save some money, you're probably going to go with Smith. Uh, the third one, uh, third mid-pricer there is uh, Luke Dalhouse. I want to talk about. And he had a really good game on the weekend. He ended up with 25 touches, three marks, eight tackles, and 110 fantasy points. That's up from his score of 71 uh, last week in, in JLT1. He only had 67% time on ground in this game this week. So he definitely bounced back uh, from week one and uh, scored in limited in limited minutes. He played that familiar role, half-forward, midfield type. Uh, the good thing to see from him this week was that tackle pressure, which which has been missing for a while now. From him for the last twelve, sort of eighteen months, from his uh, from his glory days at at uh, at the Bulldogs, but um, yeah, I, I sort of see him as a poor man's Tim Kelly. So I think he's about I think he's roughly about sixty thousand less than what Kelly is. So if you've got a little bit of money that you need to sort of upgrade somewhere else, that could be the go. Um, I've got him in there at the moment, 
So I don't think there's going to be a whole heap of difference in average between him and someone like Kelly. I think uh, I think possibly someone like Menadju is the next step up. I think Menadju goes goes 100 average this year, uh, similar to what he has done in, in previous years. But I think the difference between Kelly and Dalhouse is going to be quite minimal. Don't forget, Dalhouse is someone who's averaged in the 90s before as a forward. And any other given year, he was one of the first considered in your forward line. So it was only last year, you know, when the Bulldogs, he fell out of favour there. He had a form slum. He didn't like what was happening at, at the Bulldogs, all, all the rest of it. He seems happy. Uh, he seems like he's in a team now that are probably going to finish in the top eight again or looking likely to. And they have a really nice fantasy game about them. So I do like the looks of Dalhouse, particularly after that game on the weekend. Uh, it just shows me that he can still pump out 100-plus scores. And he's not that old. Look, he's only I think he's only about 28, so still got plenty of footy left in him. Uh, the fourth one I want to talk about there now is Tim English from the Bulldogs. And he he only came on in the second half uh, on the weekend. So he, he ended up with eight touches, one mark, four tackles, and 54 fantasy points. That was from just 45% time on ground. So that was a real positive there um, for those who are expecting a bit of a breakout from English or a bit of a step up in, in, uh, in average uh, to what he's had in the past, and that's coming from a score of 59 in JLT1 from 86%. So it was a it was a big improvement for him this week. He will be the number one ruck. So I think the Bulldogs are just being conservative with him because they know their ruck stocks are short. There's no Tom Boyd at the moment with that back issue. Obviously, Campbell's gone, uh, Roughhead's gone. So they've really got just uh, Trangove as a bit of a pinch hitter. And with the new ruck rules, he will struggle. So I think they need to preserve Tim English, and that's possibly why he just played the half on the weekend. Um, he will improve his average if he's that number one ruck. So you can expect him to improve. His tackle pressure was fantastic for a ruckman as well. Four tackles and a half is excellent. And look, I expect him to go an 80-plus average this year. He had a 67 last year from, from limited games. But, you know, taking on that new role as number one ruckman with no one else around, I think he's really going to thrive. If you want to make some money off your R2 to step stone into somebody into uh, like a Gorn or or uh, Steph Martin or, or anybody else like that, um, then I think think English uh, could, be, could be your man. And the last mid-pricer I want to talk about is Jack Nunes. Now, he wasn't on my radar initially, but... He looked really good uh, on the weekend, and he had a decent JLT one as well. He had 23 touches, 6 marks, 5 tackles, and 102 fantasy points. Now, keep in mind, I think there were about 5 St. Kilda players who who turned up in this game. But that was from 82% time on ground, and he backed that up from a 75 in week 1 from 76% time on ground. So he's done all right here. He played midfield most of the game. And he was named in the midfield for both games as well. He did that in JLT1 also. Obviously, the only issue here is Jack Stevens coming back. And he was there in the crowd this week. He was um, back from Broome. I didn't, I didn't get to see him around the town, actually. Um, 
So I, I would have liked to run into him up here, but didn't uh, didn't get the chance. I don't think I would have noticed him anyway. He probably stayed at one of the resorts, but um, it would have been would have been nice to have a chat too. Anyway, but um, I think the new midfield coaches at the at St Kilda are having a lot to say in terms of the roles that these midfielders are playing um, and the change that's happened. So, so obviously they're having a say in it, but um, you, you're seeing blokes like Jack Steele step up now as well, and I'll talk about him uh, in a little bit. But um, yeah, someone like Nunes, who's predominantly played across the half-back line and, and the wing at times, to, to see him there right in the midfield means there's been a mindset change, I think. But whether he comes out or not when Stevens goes in is another thing altogether. I think possibly he does, but just him being in there and not in the back line and not that sort of uh, player that, that floats around the ground in different positions is, is a promising sign two weeks in a row. He is dirt cheap as a forward. So that's the, that's the biggest thing. He's 400 and something K and he's probably the other option uh, next to James Warple from Hawthorne to possibly have in there. You could sit him at your, your F4 potentially. I wouldn't have him at F3. Um, and the thing I liked about him as well, just going into his stats, was previous to last year, where he averaged, I think it was mid-60, mid 60, 65 or something, 67, was his scores of 88 and 88 in 2016 um, and 2017. So he is a consistent player. He He's played 22 games for the last five years so injuries aren't really a factor for him he's durable and actually in that year uh, uh, 2017 there was an injury affected score there of 10 I think which would have bumped his score his uh, average up to 91 and a half so look if he's going to score 91 and a half as a 400 and something k uh, forward you kind of take that. He he is potentially 20 points underpriced. So um, I'm going to have a good hard look at him and, you know, weigh up the options between him and Warple, who has also been absolutely brilliant to, uh, to start off these JLT series as well. Okay, so moving on to the breakout candidates now. And these are the blokes who we think are going to take the next step uh, possibly into a 100-plus average or thereabouts, potentially. Um, and most of the guys I've got here, actually all the guys I've got here, are midfielders. So this is a bit of a midfield segment as well. And the first one I want to talk about is Braden Fiorini. Now, I've been pumping this guy up now for a few weeks, and he had another really nice game uh, in JLT too. He ended up with 26 touches. Five marks, five tackles, and 112 fantasy points from just 76% time on ground. And that was backing it up from a 92 in JLT1. Look, he was really the only shining light for Gold Coast um, on the weekend. Uh, apart from the, the rookie, uh, Lukosius, he also had a really good second half. But um, if I'm looking at any Gold Coast players... I'm probably only looking at him. Possibly Jared Witz as well, if you want to go uh, for him as a as a Ruck 2 option. I think he, he'll be okay this year. But um, in terms of midfielders, 
Fiorini is the only one that, that ticks boxes for me. He, he loves to fill that stat line. Very rarely will he have a bad stat line in his marks or tackles column. He, he fills those up pretty evenly, as he did on the weekend again. And as I've said before, though, the, the only knock I have on him is the Gold Coast team as a whole. They, they are a worry. They're not a good fantasy scoring team. So he's going to be up against it most weeks. He is the, I guess you could call it the Taranto point of difference. So a lot of people, and I'll talk about him in a, in a moment, um, a lot of people are going for Taranto as that breakout player in their midfield. If you want to be different, Fiorani is probably your next uh, best option around this, a similar price. I can see him getting to the 100 average this year, not too much over, purely based on the team that he's playing in at the moment. So um, I like him, but I don't like the team. Uh, my second one here is Timmy Taranto, and he was awesome again on the weekend with 27 touches, eight marks, three tackles, 105 fantasy points. Took him a little while to warm into this one, but once he did, uh, the second half, he uh, he really got going. He uh, he had 83% time on ground. That's about what he had in JLT1 as well, 82% in JLT1. He had 140, though, in JLT1, so he's just showing you the consistent side of him and also the high ceiling side of him as well. Um, look, you can look at that score and then you can say uh, Ward, Ward is out. Uh, Josh Kelly, we haven't seen. So two sort of premium midfielders there for the Giants. How are they going to affect his score once they're both back in? It, it shouldn't be too long until either are in. I think Ward was only out for four or five weeks. So maybe round two or three, he'll be back in. Um, and I'm not sure what's going on with Josh Kelly. I haven't, I haven't really heard much from him. I, I expect he's going to be there in round one. Um, but yeah, I still expect Torano to play as a full-time uh, midfielder and average somewhere between 102, 105 maximum sort of thing. So if you want a breakout player in your midfield, he's your man. I've got him in there at the moment, as do a lot of fantasy coaches. Um, I think his price is, is too good to, uh, to look over. Uh, my third breakout candidate is Mr. Jack Steele from St. Kilda. And he ended up with 25 touches, 5 marks, 10 tackles, and 107 fantasy points on the weekend. Um, that was from 85% time on ground. 101 he had in JLT1 and 79% uh, time on ground. So, look, the, the thing about Jack Steele is obviously he's tackling. And the good thing about that is you can't really tag a tackler. So he's going to have, he's going to average upwards of, you know, seven tackles a game for the season which uh, bodes well for his score. The only issue was his the amount of disposals and outside ball he was getting. Uh, the fact that he had five marks and 25 possessions on the weekend probably tells us that he's been working on his outside game over the, over the pre-season. Um, and his time on ground has improved slightly as well. So he was, a lot of the time he was sort of mid-70s as a, as a midfielder. He wasn't getting full time on ground. He was spending a bit more time on the on the bench than usual or the more more so than yeah than Ross or Stevens. So to see that um is an improvement. Uh I don't think Stevens coming back into the team really affects 
steal as much as it might do uh, some of the other midfielders in there. So they are they are different players, uh, um, I, I, I think. So um, I, I can see him averaging uh, around the 102 plus. So 102 to 105, similar to what Taranto, I think, will, will go as well. So, yeah, I don't mind him either um, as a nice point of difference in your midfield. Uh, the fourth one there is Dom Sheed I want to talk about, and he's had a huge JLT series. Um, he ended up with 40 touches on the weekend, four marks, just the one tackle, and 123 fantasy points. That's backing it up from 136 fantasy points in JLT1. Now, he's had around the 80% time on ground for those games. They have been fairly easy games, so just keep that in mind. Low defensive pressure, which he thrives in, that sort of player. So the tackle count for me is a worry that he's had. He's not known for his tackling, so if, if, the, if the Eagles are having a down game, he's having a down game in terms of possessions, that's when he puts out those spud scores for you. But, um, yeah, if you can bring a bring an inside game uh, as well uh, to his to his game and, and hopefully get some some pressure acts, then yeah, he's he's definitely a viable option as a as a breakout candidate. Keep in mind, he is in a top four team. Um, look, I see him as a high nineties average, so I I do see him still having a few of those spud games where he scores in the sixties and seventies potentially. So. I think that brings his average down a little bit just because of his consistency. So I see him averaging around the 98 to 100 mark. Um, at the moment, I'm going to fade on him. A lot of people are keen on him at the moment. But uh, I, I think you can you can have too many of those breakout candidates in your midfield. You know, Sheed, Steele, Taranto, Fira. There's a lot of guys in there, okay? And you've got to go for that consistency, I think. Uh, and the last one I want to talk about is Luke Dunstan. It's a bit from left field uh, from St. Kilda. And he ended up with 21 touches, three marks, 10 tackles as well. Uh, same as Steele and 101 fantasy points. That's a big improvement on what he did in JLT1 where he only scored 54 from 73% time on ground. The big thing about that score on the weekend was number one, his tackles. 10 tackles is huge for him and also 63% time on ground. So he got a lot done in limited time. He is a big risk. Um, he sort of filled that Stevens and, to some extent, Blake Akers role on the weekend. So he's another one that could potentially come back into the team. And I think tackling is probably a big focus for St Kilda by the looks of things at the moment, because they are huge tackle numbers uh, from two midfielders. So he could go in and out of the team based on his form like he did last year. So there's always that worry there. And the fact that St Kilda do back quite deep in terms of the midfield. Um, and obviously um, Dan Hanabry as well, when he comes back from his hamstring injury, will probably uh, slot in. We can see Hanabry probably playing through the VFL before he gets a gig um, in the in the ones, actually. And the last group I want to talk about is my watch list write-offs. Now, these guys were on my watch list for the preseason. However, I have now written them off the watch list. I've put, it, I've put a cross through them. Not to say that at some point during the season they'll come good. 
and they might come back onto my watch list. But in terms of round one and what I've seen from JLT one and two, they're not going to be in my team. So first one I want to talk about, been a big conjecture point for fantasy coaches is Callum Mills. And he had 22 touches, eight marks, just the one tackle and 89 fantasy points over the weekend. That was from 89% time on ground, and that was backing it up from a score of 83 in JLT1. The big thing here that happened was obviously no Jake Lloyd in defense. So Mills got pushed back there. We really needed more from him. Coaches were wanting a 100-plus score out of him for at least one of those games, I think. So he was named in the midfield for both games, which was good to see. But as soon as something went wrong in that back line, bang, he was back there, which is too risky for me. It means uh, that Horse Longmire is, you know, he's, he's got him in the back of his head as that player who, if things are going wrong in the back line or he needs to fill a void, Mills is going to go back there. So he, he knows that Mills can get the job done. He's, you know, he's, he's wanted him back there. And I think it's probably some internal pressure as well, um, trying to push Mills into, into the midfield. But, yeah, he, he, he is a wasted midfielder. He's such a talent. And for my mind, he probably should have been in there last year as a full-time mid and pushed somebody out like Parker into the forward line, something like that because, you know, he can get it done. He was an incredible junior um, ball gatherer. Like, his skills are amazing. But, yeah, there's just too much risk there in that he's going to get pushed to the back line when when things are going wrong or someone gets injured. Uh, My second one is basically uh, the the same as what I just said for Mill. So Andrew McGrath from Essendon, he had 22 touches uh, in JLT2. Two marks, two tackles, just the 65 fantasy points. Uh, and that came from 70, 76% time on ground. So, look, I think um, in, in his case, basically everything I just said for Mills could go the same for McGrath. And in, in Essendon's case, is there's just too many mids. So, basically, they don't need him in there at the moment. And if he's serving a purpose down the back line, He's probably going to he's probably going to split his time between uh, midfield and and defence when really we're looking for a an eighty twenty role at the very least um, in favour of the midfield. So I'm going to fade on him as well. Um, too much of a risk at the moment, and that sixty five on the weekend just put me off. Uh, the third one uh, I've written off is Anthony Miles from Gold Coast. Um, I was big on him all through the preseason, but he ended up with just 14 possessions on the weekend, um, zero marks, three tackles for a score of 46, which, yeah, wasn't good. 77% time on ground, so he can't even have that as an excuse. He did get enough time on ground to score a decent score, and that was backing it up from a 62 in JLT1 from 55% time on ground, so JLT1 was better for him. But the fact of the matter is that uh, I think you can only carry one of him around that price range in your midfield if you are going to go for that uh, structure in your mids. And the fact of the matter is that that uh, Liver is cheaper and he's been a whole lot better. So 
I, I don't really see Miles having an outside game for Gold Coast. He's going to be that in and under type. Bottom four team again. I'm gonna I'm gonna write him off, and if I go for that structure, I'm gonna go for Libra instead. Uh, my fourth one is Seb Ross from St Kilda, and he has had a really bland stat line in both JLT matches. So he ended up with 24 touches, three marks, three tackles, and 81 fantasy points. And in JLT one, he had 78 uh, fantasy points. So he's played around the 76, 79 percent time on ground, which is fine. Um, but yeah, hasn't. At that price tag that he's at, and this is a bloke who averaged 126 in the last six games of 2018, they're really bland stat lines. So I don't don't particularly like what he's done in the first two rounds, and you, you simply need to see more at that price because there's so many good players um, who have pumped out good scores uh, in JLT. Um, so, yeah, I've got a big question mark over him. At the moment, Jack Steele's your man if you're looking at a St Kilda mid. And again, the question mark there is what happens when Stevens gets back as well with Seb Ross. So, you know, I, I think he, he is their number one midfielder overall, I think. But that on that on based on that form, at the moment, he isn't. So, yeah, I've written him off for the moment. But look, if he has a, if he has a second after the season... Like he did in 2018, he'll be right back on that watch list. And my last one I want to talk about now, this is controversial, is uh, Lockie Neal. And here's another one I was really keen on um, back in December, you know, when, when the trade went down. I thought, oh, you beauty uh, at Brisbane now. You know, he's going to get a lot, uh, a lot of opportunity outside of Fife's. Uh, shadow and, and and all the rest of it, and he's going to take Beam's role and and all that. But um, he, he, there's some worrying signs there. And look, he did it. He he ended up with 28 touches on the weekend, uh, just the one mark, three tackles, and 83 fantasy points. Now there's something wrong there. So to have 28 touches and only 83 fantasy points, the Biggest issue there is your kick-to-handball ratio. So he had something like 25 handballs and three kicks or something like that. And he is prone to having that sort of ratio, which does bring his score down a lot. So that was all from 85% time on ground as well. So he had a good time on ground. He's been good, but not great, I'm going to say. Okay. Um, I still see him averaging over 100, but maybe not too far over, similar probably to what he had last year, if he keeps that sort of form up. Um, yeah, the, his uh, his game was more inside. There wasn't, as you can see from his marks tally there over JLT, he's not taking a lot of uncontested marks. And look, at, at the moment, I think Jared Lyons uh, is the pick at the moment, and possibly Zorko. Uh, Zorko probably gets the tag, whereas Lyons looks like he's having a bit of a free reign there. He's getting inside and outside ball. He's pushing forward and he's kicking goals. So I think he kicked two goals on the weekend. He might have done the same in JLT one as well. He's looking really good and he's looking like the bloke who could get off the leash in terms of uh, not getting noticed. So Zorko gets noticed first. Lockie Neal, he's probably the next high profile, but 
teams are going to forget about Lions, and I can see him getting off the leash for a few 140-plus scores during the year. So he'd be a nice point of difference. He is priced quite high, Jared Lyons. Um, but, yeah, he's definitely one to watch, I think. But, yeah, at the moment, I'm going to fade on Lockie Neal, cross him off my list purely based on what he's doing as a role in the team and the amount of handballs he's dishing out at the moment. And that's the JLT series wrapped up for another year. Remembering there's still one game on today that I was unable to go through, that being the Blues versus Pies match. There are a few in that game to keep an eye out for, though, which include Adam Trelaw. I want to see uh, what his role is like and how much midfield time he's getting. He's uh, on my current power rankings list. I do like the looks of him this year. I also want to have a look at Jack Crisp as well, which not a lot of people have talked about in defence this year, and see if he potentially gets some of that midfield time also, uh, particularly with Taylor Adams being out for a while. So um, if he can get some wing time there and, uh, and also, I guess, split his time between uh, defence and the wing, that would be nice to see. Uh, I want to take another look at Will Setterfield before I lock him away in my forward line. He had uh, a heap of tackles last week, so I want to see if he can back that up again. And uh, Gibbons. I want to get another look at Gibbons, see if he can uh, slot onto my midfield bench, as well as Newman and Walsh, obviously, will be keeping a close eye on uh, how they go as well. The rest of our AFL Fantasy Preseason episodes plus the first JLT wrap is now up on the website at fanpod40.com. Go check it out before the season proper kicks off on March 21. You can also send us any fantasy questions you might have on Twitter with the handle at fanpod40. We're also happy to give feedback on your teams and structures, so you can send those through. The next episode, it will be team reveal time as I take you through my starting 22 structure and bench options prior to Thursday night's round one opener against the Blues and Tigers. Thanks again for listening, guys. And remember, a pod a day keeps the vanilla away.